When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances, and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twists it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reach shot, score! 3 nothing. Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Greg Anderson and the hapless Senators. And it's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chet. Cam. No, Cam, come back. I got more questions. Cam? There goes Cam Newton. Oh, well. There goes a couple of stinky games by the Edmonton Oilers over the weekend. My goodness. Absolutely run out of the building. Not once but twice and the second game was even worse and now the warning flags are being raised again about the remainder of this team season two blowout wins coming out of the all-star break momentum then completely lost two blowout losses we'll break that down right away here we'll talk a little bit about Peter Shirelli what he's done what he might do next the Winnipeg Jets Locking up Dustin Bufflin today. Does that mean some of their other players could be available now or in the summer? We'll bring in Kelly Moore from CJOB in Winnipeg to talk about that. More Super Bowl stuff. We'll talk about the Cam Newton post-game news conference about how Denver was able to control the game. Warren Moon, Edmonton Eskimos legend, on between 7 and 7.30 tonight. We'll get you ready for the Oilers game tomorrow in New Jersey. Ken Danico and Corey Hirsch to talk a little bit about Martin Brodeur. He's going to be honored before the game. Morley Scott with some CFL free agency discussion as well. Some big names, maybe J.C. Sherritt, maybe Aaron Grimes, maybe Kendall Lawrence moving on from the green and gold. Thank you for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 6.08 Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. Of course, you can reach me by giving me a phone call, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. The email, inside sports at 630ched.com. And, and on Twitter, it is at Reed Wilkins. All right. Here we go. Tavares, right circle. Moves up, top of the circle, cross sides. Rich shot, Apozo scores. Patrick Kyle Apozo. Set up by Tavares brilliantly. 8-1. A game that went so poorly for the Edmonton Oilers that in the third period, the New York Islanders structured their entire power play around getting Kyle Apozo his hat-trick goal, a ploy so obvious that everybody knew what they were doing, I would assume including the Oilers on the ice, and they still weren't able to stop it. A game that spiraled out of control from really the opening three minutes where Anders Nielsen, who I would shudder to ever put in goal again, perhaps we're going to see Laurent Brassois coming up from the farm very soon. I don't know, but I don't know how you can 
possibly play Nielsen again. Uh, to defenders who couldn't defend, who, to forwards who couldn't forecheck or generate any offense, and 8-1 was the final damage. On the heels of a similar game, I, I never thought I'd be saying this, a game that wasn't as bad, a 5-1 loss to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday afternoon, and that game was pretty bad. So after the game, and I should mention the Oilers were uh, off today. The, uh, the CBA mandates that players have to be given four complete days off a month where they can't practice and can't travel. So uh, the way it, uh, it fell with the schedule, this was a, a day that Todd McClellan scheduled for his team to have off. And uh, the Oilers did have a players-only meeting after last night's game. Oh, just some stuff uh, between us. Just improvement. What we need to do to improve. So comments there from Benoit Pouliot and Matt Hendricks about the content of the players-only meeting. As you would expect, they were not revealing anything. Perhaps, uh, though, we can reveal a little bit about the psyche of the team by some comments that they did give. We'll start with Hendricks. We weren't, uh, weren't focused. We weren't ready. Um, structure in our game went out the window and Subsequently, you give the the opposition those opportunities. They find the net. Now you're chasing. It's hard to come back in this league, especially with going up against teams that are, are fighting for playoff spots. So know, that's about it. Not a lot of excuses. All right. Well, that that's. I mean, clearly that's alarming to hear. Weren't focused. Weren't ready. It is one thing to lose a hockey game. It is one thing to lose a hockey game when you have an inferior roster. And I, as I believe all year, the Oilers have an inferior roster to probably at least two-thirds of the NHL. And that's why I picked them to miss the playoffs at the beginning of the year. And uh, they remain out of a playoffs. Well, in fact, right now they're last in the NHL. Uh, again, you weren't focused and you weren't ready. And, and that, to me, that's, that's mind-boggling. And I don't know how a team reaches that point where they come out of the All-Star break, where they admit, where they, you know, were kind of unhappy with the, the schedule, having them travel around, and sure, they looked a little worn out against the Nashville Predators, whatever. Uh, you come out, you, you, you get a couple of bad teams off the hop, and you beat them. Great. Great. You know, you're a bad team, fair enough, but beat other bad teams, maybe that's how you move up, maybe that's how you get some confidence. Great. They were able to take advantage of Columbus and Ottawa. They had McDavid back, everybody's excited, good. And then you're not focused and you're not ready against Montreal. Okay, well, stinkers happen, all right, it was 5-1. How are you not focused and not ready after losing 5-1? It wasn't a, it's not a long trip to the New York Islanders. They lost 5-1 the night before, and the game, like I said, was out the way. Look... When it was one nothing, it was over. It was over. When it was one nothing, it was over. That's how I felt watching the game. That's just how out of it the, the, the Oilers looked. So he also said our, our structure went out the window. Here's Benoit Pouliot as well after the game. Longer clip. When they scored early, a couple of goals back-to-back, we felt like um, we looked down a little bit and we... Uh, um, Kind of went on their free for all thing, so it's uh, it sucks. It's tough uh, allowing so many goals like that, and uh, we're not playing. We didn't play that game we're supposed to be playing, and we've uh, been uh, losing because of it. So Hendrick said our structure went out the window, and Pouliot said we went on our free for all thingy. So he's even got a name for it: our free for all thingy. 
I guess to me that's the most the most troubling thing after the game is hearing that. I mean, look, you're going to be challenged. You're going to lose. You're going to have rotten games. That's all fair enough. You know, even the good teams certainly aren't going to go 82 and 0. They're going to they're going to lose 35 games even when you factor in the shootouts and all that kind of stuff. But why where and and this I, I feel like we haven't seen this before this year. We've seen bad games, but now we see two really, really bad ones in a row where two veteran players are saying they just stop doing what they're being told to do. And that and given at this point of the season now that they're out of it, they're in last place and there's twenty eight games left, that's a third of the season. I mean, is that it? Have they just decided it's it's too difficult to even execute what the coaches want us to do? Because that that that's the scary part, is they're just going to do their free for all thingy. Well, this game's kind of difficult, so we we don't really want to be on the same page anymore. Here's Todd McClellan. I don't think we were prepared to play uh, for those for those first few goals against. Really disappointed in the preparation, the approach to the game. We got our butts handed to us in Montreal, and we came here and here and. Uh, and responded in, in, in a very inappropriate way, and uh, that's very disappointing. Like no, I thought, uh, you know, I counted on our group to, uh, to have good leadership and to show up and and play real hard today. Um, you know, they got drilled in in Detroit last night. I think we both lost 5-1. Uh, it shows where one team is and one how far one team has to go. He says it again, no preparation. I mean, I don't know. That that to me, this is. You know, I, I said on Wednesday, McDavid comes back, gives you hope. I didn't think they were going to make make the playoffs. I, I, you know, I know it's not all about one player, but that's an exciting player to get back in your lineup. A guy you hope they can rally around. And then we hear no preparation, weren't focused, weren't ready. Structure went out the window. We went on our free for all thingy. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got Don on the line. Hey, Don. Good evening, uh, Reed. Um, in regards to Peter Shirelli, would it be fair to say, after these two debacles down east, that you can count, uh, I would say, what, five players that are not going to be traded, uh, not going anywhere, including Cam Talbot? Peter Shirelli, you think, is going to make a move between now and the trading deadline, or is he going to wait till unrestricted free agency? I wouldn't be surprised now if he makes a move this month. And it doesn't necessarily going to be a major move, but I, I think, you know, I, I still think something probably more significant happens in the summer, but maybe he's at the point where he needs to hurry up and do something, just maybe to make a point, if nothing else. Well, you know... You've seen the you've seen them all year. Their defense is just atrocious. I mean, like you, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, Justin Schultz on those two games that he played, I don't know where his head was. Probably at center ice, buried somewhere. I don't know. Well, you know, I think, and I think that's got to be. I mean, you know, when people ask me questions about Shirelli, I try to put myself in his shoes sometimes, right? I'm like, okay, well, he's doing this. Maybe this is why he's doing this, right? Rather than just yeah. putting him down. And I, I know with Justin Schultz, 
I, I think in the summer, like if a lot of people are asking, well, why didn't they walk away from Schultz in the summer? Well, my short answer is probably because he needed enough defensemen. He didn't want to physically run out of players. But, I mean, if, I, if I'm Peter Shirelli, I'm sitting there thinking, why is this player getting worse every 10 games? Yeah, that's the, that's the troubling part. Here he was, what, four years ago, the number one defenseman, and he's fallen from grace now all of a sudden within those four years. Uh, something's wrong there. I don't know what it is. If it's just he isn't able to process the game or he can't handle the the pressure of trying to get through a bad time or he just you know hasn't been able to learn enough ever since he went through Tier 2 Junior and through the NCAA. But it's like I was saying on the weekend, Don, It's and Rob said it too, it's difficult to imagine that Schultz would be back this season because you're not going to pay him four million dollars to come back. I no. mean, somebody might you might wind up playing in the NHL for far less, but yeah. Well, the other issue is is, is Peter Shirelli. You think I don't know who the defensemen are down on the farm. Would it be prudent for him to to bring up some defensemen and and have a look see and see exactly where they are at with all this? Yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean. Are you going to bring up Jordan Osterley or Dylan Simpson or Joey Lalesia? I mean, maybe they get they get some games, but I think if, I think right now you might put Clendenning in for Schultz. But they keep playing Schultz, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 really puzzling, and I think the Torelli's between a rock and a hard place on this. You know what I mean? Well, he is. He is. That's the thing. I mean, I I know in in hindsight, people are asking me and Rob and I after games, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do this? And a lot of times he's in a no-win situation. Well, why didn't he yeah. buy out Nikita Nikitin? Well, he chose to pay Nikita Nikitin for one year to finish out his contract and live with it. The buyout option would have meant he has Nikitin on the cap, granted at a l- lower price point, that Nikitin is on the cap for two years to be not playing. Neither option's yeah. a good one, Don. Yeah. So he <laughs> chose to keep him for a year and let the contract expire. Well, I guess the only thing to say to that is, is I guess... You could bunch them together as a as trade and get rid of them that way. Don, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Morley is up next on the line. You can also text six thirty six thirty inside sports on six thirty. Chad. Hi, this is Taylor Hall from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. All right, so the game tomorrow from New Jersey, Martin Brodeur, Jersey retirement night. We'll talk a little bit about Brodeur later on with Ken Danico, former Devils defenseman and former NHL goaltender Corey Hirsch. I believe uh, he and Brodeur tried out for the World Junior team in the same year once. Your Action Furnace Oilers report for Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. 4.30 face-off show, 6 o'clock puck drop tomorrow. Reed Wilkins with you at 625. Got a couple minutes here for Morley on line two. Morley, thanks for calling. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing well. Good. Hey, I just want to see what you think about this, uh, just the NHL drafting system. I mean, the ranking, how they rank these kids and bring them up. And, you know, if they're in the top 20, top 30, they figure they've already made it and they, they know everything that, they, that they're going to know instead of uh, maybe your team or the Oilers, say, going out and drafting 
outside of the the ranked system. Like I mean, for example, Datsuk and uh, uh, Zetterberg ranked really, really low, you know, and come in wanted to prove themselves. I think these kids that were drafting come in number one, number two, number three. Well, you know, they just want to go play in Florida, L.A., uh, you know, beach cities. All right. Well, you're uh, you're hitting on a couple different things there. Morally, I, um, I, I mean, Datsuk and Zetterberg, that's one franchise that found two absolute gems. I, I don't know if, I mean, the, there's other teams besides the Oilers who haven't been able to draft that well that deep. Um, well, so, so, sorry, do you think the guy, do you think the Oilers players don't want to be Oilers? Is that what you're saying? Well, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Yeah, like the Canadian teams are struggling right now to get guys that want to actually stay and play. Calgary, Edmonton. Oh, right, yeah. You know, you know, Vancouver's a little better, but it's, you know what I mean? You, you know, the teams that are Canadian teams right now are struggling. And it's not because uh, the Oilers aren't as good as the uh, Panthers on paper. It's just because the, the guys that are playing on the Panthers want to be Panthers. Well, in my opinion. Yeah, I, you kind of opened a whole can of worms there, Morley. I mean, let's not forget, the, the Oilers are going to tie a non-playoff streak this year. Who, What franchise has the record? The Florida Panthers. I mean, they, they yeah. right? So, the, they are, the, you know, they haven't been around as long as the Oilers either. Yeah, uh, the, the Panthers, Panthers they, they've, they've built a good team this year. They got they got a really good goaltender. Uh, Yager's amazing. They have young guys like Barkov who are, are playing well. I, I, t- to me, Morley, I don't know if that's weather-related necessarily, but, I mean, clearly you can look at those two rosters and say, why can't the Oilers be closer to that, for sure? Well, they should be better. I mean, Luongo was, you know, everybody was uh, criticizing Luongo. Now, you know, he went to where basically he wanted to go, right? A little more hard, maybe he's, and, you know, Yager, 43 years old, but he's he's living, you know, he's doing what he wants to do. These kids are coming in young, groomed to be stars before they're even stars. I think they should just drop the ranking without, you know, uh, putting a number one draft overall or number two and giving them names and faces and just, uh, just they're all prospects, basically. Morley, thanks for calling, man. I got a break for the 6.30 news. Ron, you're up next on the line as well. We will go to Winnipeg in the next half hour to see what's up with the Jets and maybe some moves they have to make now that they've re-signed Dustin Bufflin. Inside Sports on Chad. You're listening to 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, 6.34. Thanks for tuning in tonight. NHL this evening. Penguins leading the Ducks 3-1 late in the second period. Rangers up 1-0 on the Devils late in the second period. Senators 2-1 over the Lightning. Second period just starting. Panthers and Red Wings, no score after one. Your scoreboard, courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. The Oil Kings played an afternoon game. They lost 1-0 to the Vancouver Giants. It's family day in BC. All right, thanks for tuning in. Going to go back to the phone lines here quickly. We have Ron on the line, 780-496-0063. Hello, Ron. Hi, Reed. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. I just got a simple question pertaining to uh, uh, Anders Nielsen doesn't look like he's going to be sticking with the club after this year. And so I wonder why they don't put LB, bring up LB from the farm and get him NHL experience. And that's all I want to ask, Reed. 
I think they will, Ron. I, I think we're going to see him more than we would have had um, Nielsen played well. I, I guess the question is, and what they're going to have to decide, is how they want to time the call-ups. Because I think they, they still want him to play in the minors and uh, learn more about being a number right? one guy in the pros. So maybe they do – well, you know, maybe they bring him up right away and send Nielsen and, and the rest of the roster a message that if you're not good enough, we're, we're going to replace you. But um, I don't know if they want LB up here for extended periods of time sitting on the bench. That that yeah. would be my concern there, I guess, or my my my. Thanks, thanks a lot, Reed. Okay, thanks, Ron. I mean, what you could do is bring Brassois up, say, for February 25th and 26th for back-to-back games against the Kings and the Ducks, and he plays one of the two games. Or who knows? Maybe they bring him up for the homestand, and he maybe he gets a couple starts. I mean, they're they're not making the playoffs. They're right now last in the league. I mean, they're going to finish in the bottom five, so. You know, they're going to have a shot at a high draft pick again, so maybe this changes how much uh, Brassois plays the the rest of the way. You can also text 630-630. Want to get to a couple other clips here. So I I mentioned the closed-door meeting, and Todd McClellan after the game also commenting on where leadership has to come from for them to be more prepared, perform better. It has to start with the coaching staff, for one. But uh, more importantly, I think it has to come from the locker room. And, you know, whether you're uh, considered a star player and, uh, you know, you have a voice and a mind and uh, and you're willing to express yourself, that's real important. Or whether you're uh, a grunt player. And I say that respectfully because they're very, very important. I watched their fourth line play tonight and they were very effective. So, uh, But it's really hard to step up in the locker room if you're not doing it right. And uh, for two nights, we haven't had anybody do it right. So I don't expect guys to jump up and down and, and hold court. Um, you know, start with individual reflection, first of all, and then look at others to hold them accountable. Well, that's when you don't have anybody doing it right, you know, that's a, that's a good point. It's hard for them to tell others to do it right after two stinkers like that. Um, you know, I, I still stand by the fact that I think this team is well coached, that I think this coaching staff works very hard. And when we talk about the word preparation, I I, I think there are two different angles to look at that. I I think it is the coach's job to prepare the players in terms of, all right, guys, here are some points about our opponent. Here are the tendencies that they do. Here are some things we want to do to stop the things they do well. You know, here are the X's and O's. Um, here are some things that we need to work on. Here are our strengths that we need to keep doing. I, I think that is how a coach prepares the players. I, I think in terms of when the players say they, they weren't prepared, I, I, I think that's on the players in terms of that, whether you want to, want to call it mentor, mental preparation or putting yourself in the right place to, to play the game. I mean, I, I know... I think Wally Buono, and I go back to some, because Wally Buono is a really good interview, if you've ever heard him, obviously, and he's been a very successful coach and executive in the in the Canadian Football League. And he's talked about that. I, I don't prepare the players to play in terms of getting them excited for a game. They should know that is their job to go to work, right? I mean, look at it in terms of your job, and I assume most of you aren't professional athletes. <laughs> 
<laughs> who knows? Maybe we got a couple Eskimos listening tonight. But when when you go to 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 your job, you don't expect your boss to come in every morning and rally you so you feel good about doing your job or you're ready to do it. Now, maybe you know it's your boss's job to provide you with a little guidance in the details of your job, especially if you're new. Uh, you hope that your employer gives you a computer or a phone or whatever you need physically to do your job. But you shouldn't have to be told, okay, uh, just a reminder, um, you know, you you uh, you work the till at Blockbuster like I had to do, so it's your job to take cash, okay? So make sure you're adding and subtracting properly. Like, you should know that's part of your job. I don't think McClellan has to say, hey, guys, uh, there's a there's a game today, so feel good about the game, okay, everybody? Remember to tape your sticks. Like, like that's on, on the team themselves. Michael on line one. Hey, Michael. Oh, hi, Reed. I'm listening to your uh, broadcast, and once again, I mean, we go back to the coaching component of the Oilers, and, you know, I, I don't know if there's a much better coach in NHL than Todd McCollum. Uh, he's proven himself time and time again. I think that what happens with the Oilers and, and – you know, you can offer your insight on this. Is the fact that the leaders, the so-called leaders, the team, you know, Taylor Halls, the Jordan Everly, uh, well, Matt Hendricks is probably the heart and soul of the team. But at the end of the day, when you try to rush the defenseman, um, like we tried to rush Nurse, um, I don't know if that's really helping his development. And I'm not sure if the Oilers, and I'm not sure if this coaching staff understands development. And I'm, you know, to be honest the development of the Oilers is really, really, really not there. And uh, I just don't know where they're they're planning on going with this roster that they have now in regards to the fact that when you talk about who we have, obviously we have lots of talent, but we don't gel. We don't gel and there's the sense of team, and I've, I've called you before on this before, and I mean, I, I can't reiterate enough that there's just really no sense of team in the Oilers, but I just want to get your thoughts. Thanks, Reed. Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a valid point, that sense of team, and I think that's why, you know, McClellan has talked about building a foundation. Look, a lot's gone wrong with the team for them to be out of the playoffs. It's going to be 10 years in a row, and as I always say, I think the last six or seven are different because they've been so distantly out of the playoffs. I mean, a couple of the teams McTavish has still coached were six, eight points away, and uh, a lot of fans would kill for that now. But, yeah, I think one of the th- errors that has happened here is that they have brought in veteran players that, quite frankly, weren't good enough or weren't responsible enough or good enough leaders to help the Halls and Everleys of the world uh, come along. You know, they haven't, been a- they haven't been good enough players to play enough to shelter those guys, and they haven't either been good enough leaders or they haven't been around long enough. I mean, you think Andy Sutton was a pretty good pro. He was only here a year. I think Eric Belanger turned out to be kind of a, an unlikable human being and what wasn't here very long and didn't rub off very well on the players. As a result, more and more responsibility has been put on guys who maybe weren't ready to shoulder it in that way. And now we're in a situation where the team just all of a sudden seems lost if a couple things go wrong in a game. We got Mark on the line as well. Hey, Mark. Hi, Reed. How you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I think I've, you know, I don't know why I'd say I have confidence in Shirelli uh, getting this right, but one would hope anyways. We've gone through enough upper management types. But I I just feel that, uh, um, 
it comes down to like uh, the obviously like everybody thought they got to they might not get a top notch number number one D, but they got to get a good D. And I think the goaltending straightened out with Talbot appears that way. And it's it really is as simple as that. We've had how many years? How does Stoffer say it that the definition of insanity is the same thing over and over? These offensive forwards, no D, getting nowhere fast. They gotta. It's D in goaltending. Look at uh, when we had Pronger and we had, who was it, Rolson at the time? Yeah. Within a smidge of the cup. Fast forward to this year, Montreal was hot. They lose their goaltender where they've been ever since. Nowhere. Yeah, it's D and goaltending. And, hey, it's not going to be easy to get that kind of a D-man to help us out. Nursing Clefbaum might be there, but it's probably a couple years minimum away, right? Well, that's why I think if they get a defenseman, he's got to be between the age of preferably 25 and 30. Yeah, exactly. Mark, I... for all for all the guys out there, they might be disappointed, but they're going to have surely will cut into that core one, maybe two of them. Yeah, he probably will. Mark, thanks for calling. Sorry to cut you short. And and Daryl, I, I want to get Kelly Moore on out of Winnipeg in a couple minutes because there was the pretty big Buffalo news today. So Daryl, I'm going to give you about a minute, and then we're going to do the uh, Winnipeg angle. Okay, go ahead. Sure, thanks, Reid. I appreciate it. Uh, just one thing that the other caller was talking about a couple ago, um, identity. And that's one thing that I think we've been struggling with for the last little while is we as an organization or the, them as an organization don't really have one other than we've become kind of the uh, top five uh, at the draft rankings for the last five years in a row, um, despite Darnell Nurse. We don't really have that identity to fall back on. Um, and I think that's what the players are struggling with because you're asking a bunch of young players who are unproven to work together to win something that they don't know how to accomplish. And that's been our biggest struggles because we've asked so much of them. I don't think they've been able to deliver. And when they don't deliver, we get frustrated with it. But I don't know if there's anybody on that team who's been through the ringer in the process enough times to be able to lead the team and show them the way. Yeah, that's a valid concern, Daryl. Thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. All right, that is Daryl. All right, I'm going to take a break from the uh, from your interaction here because uh, Kelly Moore is going to join us from CJOB in Winnipeg. Contract extension for Dustin Bufflin. Will that mean other members of the Jets are going to be available? Here we go. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Rough weekend for Cam Talbot, obviously, though I do think he's probably been the best Oiler over the last couple of months. They're back at it tomorrow against the Devils, 4.30 face-off show, 6 o'clock for the drop of the puck right here on 6.30. Ched, Warren Moon coming up in about uh, 15, 16 minutes on old 6.30, Ched. So you'll want to stick around for that. Eskimos legend with some thoughts on uh, the Grey Cup, the Super Bowl, and uh, Manning and Newton, the two quarterbacks who played yesterday. The news out of Winnipeg today, Dustin Bufflin, a five-year contract extension worth $38 million. That's $7.6 million per season. He is currently making 5.2. He will not become an unrestricted free agent in the summer. To join us to talk about that, the sports director of our sister station, CJOB in Winnipeg, it is Kelly Moore. Kelly, welcome back to the show, man. How are you doing? Good to be with you, Reed. And here, I thought you wanted to talk about the one-game suspension to Drew Stafford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are they going to do without him? 
<laughs> I don't. Well, actually, he's uh, he's, he's, he's good. Going pretty, he's going pretty well of late. He had a couple of big goals the other night in Colorado, and uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. He had scored ten in a row at home. Now he has his last five goals on the road, but he won't be getting any tomorrow night in St. Louis. No, he's out uh, high stick against the Avalanche's uh, Nick. Holden. So I guess yeah. after Weidman's suspension, uh, anything less than 20 games feels like it's not worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, I uh, think I would have been a little surprised if there had been a 20-game suspension for that, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, the big news of the day, Reed, as you mentioned, Dustin Bufflin, a five-year, $38 million deal. Uh, and, and, you know, you can never, ever know for sure uh, what the parameters were at the start. Uh, but what we were led to believe, and I, and I think everybody's pretty much aware of it by now, uh, that uh, the thought was Dustin was going and his camp were going for an eight-year deal. Uh, and obviously the Jets wanted a little shorter term, and I think they were willing to pay a few extra dollars to get that. Right, because he, they could have signed him for as long as eight years, right? Yeah, Given he's going to be 31, he's gonna be 31 uh, next month, late yeah. next month, so... You know, once you start getting into that 38-, 39-year-old territory, with the way the salary cap is right now, I mean, some guys can keep themselves in phenomenal shape and, and still play. Uh, just to use Yarmer Yager as the shining example for that. But I, I think that they felt more comfortable paying a few more dollars, having a little shorter term. And, uh, you know, Bufflin is such a cult hero here, uh, Reedy is... Uh, immensely popular I, I love the terminology that paul maurice used earlier today after practice in st louis he called bufflin a man of the people <laughs> <laughs> and by that he meant uh, you know he can go and hang with the all-stars in nashville and then he can come back the next night and have dinner with fourth liners and the seventh and eighth defensemen on the team and not change his personality one iota uh, Maurice was saying that he gives it to uh, teammates and coaches in the dressing room. And uh, when you have a guy like that, boy, I'll tell you what a void uh, when uh, he's not around. So it was an impact signing for this hockey club, to be sure. Well, and I'm wondering about the impact moving towards the trade deadline and the summer. I mean, I just made myself some quick notes here. Uh, Myers makes five and a half for three more years. Truba's going to be an RFA. Shifley's going to be an RFA. Uh, you're going to have to pay at least one or both of the goalies a- a- at some point because they're still on really cheap deals. Does this mean a Myers or a Truba or a, you know, I, I don't know, one of the forwards? Is, is somebody going to have to be moved out pre-deadline or around the draft? Well, it certainly won't be Truba because uh, if they were going to trade him, Reed, it would have been when Travis Hamannick uh, when you know the, the Hamannick deal broke, and I'm sure that's who the Islanders would have loved to have taken off the hands of the Jets. So uh, I can't see them moving Truba at all. Uh, you could possibly take a look at a guy like a Toby Enstrom. Mm-hmm. He's their second-highest-paid player on the team behind, well, right now he's the highest-paid player uh, because Bufflin's 7.6 doesn't go into effect until next year. Uh, but, you know, Enstrom's a guy that they might take a look at. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is only... Uh, uh, in the third, he'll be going into the third year of his deal next year. Uh, Michael Hutchinson has had an up and down year, so it'll be interesting to see what happens to them. But I really think uh, that uh, the way the Jets uh, like to operate, I, I could see them going for bridge deals for Truba and Shifley 
and then try to sign them to seven or eight year deals. And you know what? If those guys had elevated their game to the point where you have to pay them each seven or eight million dollars a year, then then you know they'll consider that to be a pretty good investment. Okay, interesting stuff. Uh, well, you know, Enstrom's a pretty good player, so if he was out there, that's that's uh, that'd be a pretty good catch for some team, I think. Anyway, Kelly. Yeah. Well, you know, and the, and the the other thing too, Reed is. I don't know that they've decided yet just exactly what they're going to do with Andrew Ladd. I think they'd like to sign him. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, uh, with the way that the, the salaries are right now, uh, you know, will he be willing to stick around uh, at a reduced rate and, you know, maybe for five or six years because he's a little bit younger than Dustin Bufflin? You know, the Jets might be more willing to go six years with him, uh, but it would, it would have to be at a, at a rate that makes sense. Kelly Moore from CJOB in Winnipeg joining us. Kelly, before I let you go, I, I got to ask you about where the Jets are at because, look, the Oilers unfortunately have sunk to 30th in the league, and it's not pretty for all the Canadian teams. And I mean, you look at Calgary and Winnipeg; they're only two points ahead of Edmonton. The, the games in hand with the Jets is only is only two. So you've wound up with a couple of Canadian teams. The Jets had playoff aspirations again I, I would think the Oilers had aspirations of at least being a lot closer than they are tell me a little bit about the mood in in Winnipeg and what this team has been missing this year well it, it, they've just been missing Reed uh, you know they uh, probably their number one uh, Achilles heel has been their special teams play their power play hasn't been nearly consistent enough uh, it's 25th and their penalty killing has been abysmal uh, it's uh, at 27. It's 27th among the 30 teams uh, in the league. So those are the two problem areas right there. I don't think they're ever going to change as far as the penalties are concerned. It's the way they play. It goes along with uh, how they uh, like to operate. So in order to continue to play that way, they're going to have to get better at killing off penalties. And, uh, and you know, it, it, they're, they have had uh, far and few nights uh, where they've been completely out of games, but it's just been one frustrating loss after the other. They haven't been able to put together three straight wins all season long, Reed. So that's another area, too, is just they, they haven't been able to get on any kind of a sustained run. The way they played the other night in Colorado is how they played for a great majority of last year. Now, I think it's too late for them to be able to do anything about a playoff spot, but I don't think it's too late for them to reestablish their identity and create some momentum for next year. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it's a real difficult choice for this management as far as what they're going to do on February the 29th. But for sure, if Andrew Ladd isn't uh, uh, signed by them, uh, you could look for him to be moved for sure. Interesting. Well, it's always fun when these two teams play. Still a couple of meetings for the Jets and the Oilers, including this Saturday here in Edmonton. Kelly, I know you had a busy day. Thanks for fitting old Wilkie in on Inside Sports, buddy. Anytime, my friend. Anytime you want to talk about one-game suspensions to Drew Stafford, <laughs> I'm your man. There we go. That's the story today. Kelly Moore checking in from our sister station, CGOB in Winnipeg. Bufflin, five years, $38 million. So he said specifically, uh, watch for Ladd being moved if he doesn't get a new deal, and maybe Enstrom is going to be out there. All right, quick timeout. You can keep, uh, well, actually, we got the news coming up. Warren Moon, after the news, Inside Sports on Chad.